0: Hey guys, Tony here. Mental health is a strong subject that no one wants to talk about. For me, Dylan, and Angelo, we decided it was time for a change, and that's why we started Complete Madness. Every Wednesday, we will be talking about mental health topics that we feel need to be said in the most uncensored and downright mad way possible. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Complete Madness Show and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Complete Madness. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. We're not experts, but we hope our podcast can help you get through whatever it is you're going through. Welcome to the Madness Clan and get ready for a fucking ride. It's just it's just cold. It the All right, whatever. Welcome back to Complete Madness, everybody. I'm your host, Antonio Guerrero. With me as always, the one and only Dylan Jolly and the baddest motherfucker, Angelo Ionarelli. Better. Is that ecstatic enough for you?
1: It's better. It's a little more electrifying. A little more electrifying. It. It's definitely the best one so far, but I'm not sold on it yet.
0: You got four more weeks.
1: No, 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 you got
0: four. No, movies. you got four. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we got a great guest coming on today. Um, but before I do that, uh, guys, again, thank you guys so much for all the downloads. Uh, we're hitting about 120 <laughs> downloads a week right now, which is fucking amazing. And it's all thanks to you. Um, if you guys could all just do us a favor, send the podcast out to someone, you know, someone who needs it, or if you guys just think it's entertaining, send it out anyway. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. All the love that we get from you guys each week is we're super grateful for it. So, um, today we actually have a pretty, it's not so much a topic about a certain thing in mental health. It's more about the correlation between men and women and how they deal with mental health. So I'm going to introduce our guest today and we're going to hop on a FaceTime call with her. Her name is Sophie Salix. So what's going on? How's everything going?
2: Everything's good. Everything's good. A little hungover, but we're going to get there. a
0: little Saturday night. <laughs> I think that we gotta gotta say how we met the first time because it's it's a hilarious story
2: it's true that is true
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it was Christmas and she knows my uncle from New York City so you know everything's going fine, and this was the Christmas that I did, like, for the first three months I was in Texas, and I came home for Christmas. So she's there witnessing my entire family come at me about not going back to school, <laughs> that's how I met
2: her. <laughs> I was just literally
0: a- it was just
2: some girl who showed up to an Italian family's Christmas.
3: So yeah, he's here hearing the arguing and everyone going nuts. It's like, literally, oh, it? yeah, literally. He, yeah, he really is Italian.
2: <laughs> I mean, honestly, what comes to mind is just food, food, and then more food so, food and more
0: food.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was
1: offered food as soon as I walked in the house. Yeah, no <laughs> shit, man. This is Wait, what happens. And I had food that's in why. My head. That's why I
3: almost didn't get quick check. I was like, Tony's mom's probably gonna offer me some food. Yeah, I was like, I hope she does. You cannot walk into
0: an Italian household without getting offered food, and if you refuse to eat it, they don't stop asking they you until they shove it you down you your dead. throat. Yeah.
3: You're like, oh, you want you want pasta? How about a cannoli? How about something? Just something? Coffee?
0: Kind <laughs> yeah, of right.
4: right.
2: That's like the Russian culture too, but. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so why don't you just give us a little bit about your background, what you do? Um, you know, you've, you've definitely traveled the world a lot. Do you have any, like, cool stories?
2: Yeah. So, I was born in Long Island and moved mm-hmm. to France when I was 10 years old. My mom is French and my dad's Russian. So, I definitely have a, you know, an international background. Yeah. And grew up six years in the south of France and then two years in Paris. Came back to New York when I was eighteen and started working instantly um, in the corporate world, where I was actually the oh. only within the office, and we were also doing European hours. So mm-hmm. I was in the office from nine o'clock at night to four, five o'clock in the morning.
0: Oh my god!
2: Yes, was it wasn't my what time. What exactly
0: were you? Do- what exactly were you doing for- with that job?
2: I was doing a loan facilitating. So I was dealing with public okay. companies on different stock exchanges in Hong Kong, London, Paris. Um, but yeah, not American companies.
3: So how did you get into it?
2: Um, honestly speaking, I got into it per my family. Um, it was my dad's friend who owned the company. I, I, I like to say I'm independent and I've, from now on, I have done everything else I'm completely on my own, but my parents worked hard and built a great life for their kids. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess, yes, I've benefited from some of their connections.
3: Yeah, there's no there's no, no, shame there's no shame yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I got, that's how I got my job too. You
0: know, it
3: happened from family, you know. Do you believe,
0: do you believe that in the corporate world, it's more about the connections now than your actual uh, resume?
2: Totally. I mean, it's such a, it's such a mix for me, even though I got in through a connection, I was probably, and I was the first person in the office, the last person to leave. So Mm -hmm. I think I hold myself accountable for my own actions, even if my connections get me through the door, it's not what's going to keep me in the door and it's not what's right. going to move up the ranks, but having somebody to help you out and kind of put their foot or dip their toe, I guess, in the water yeah, just to get it started doesn't hurt.
0: Yeah. It gives you like just that little introduction, that boost you need to get in there, but then the work's really going to be on you.
2: Exactly. Exactly. But I definitely think connections now is everything, and people have been very aware that networking, especially if you're trying to do finance, and especially if you're in New York.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Now, let me ask you: You just had um, a summer internship with a pretty reputable company. We're not going to say the name, but c- just tell me a little bit about went on because you know you said that you re- that you were really going in there to be an investment banker. What exactly were you doing with them?
2: Um, so the summer internship was in the investment bank within a very large bank corporation, and I was a part of the real estate team. So especially now with the pandemic, you can imagine how busy we are yeah. just structuring along with advising companies if they want to acquire another company. It um, was a lot of looking at their liquidity uh, due to a lot of hotels, because that's one of our biggest clients, have no capital coming in. They have no revenues. It completely stopped because no. they had to shut down the hotels. So they still have debt. They still have maturities coming up. So they've raised a lot more capital. They have a lot more bonds, a lot more debt to pay off the ones that are coming coming in. So it was a busy summer. Uh, my experience with it was... I realized that being an opinionated, young, confident girl doesn't mm-hmm. fit an investment banker, financial analyst at a big corporation, which was extremely sad to see the disparity yeah. between like males and females. Um, right, but an amazing learning opportunity.
0: No, of course, and you know we, we actually spoke about this a little bit. Um and uh, I think your perspective on it would be great. So why was it that you wanted to enter the investment banking world when it's typically a ma- it's typically a man's world? And like I, I like I understand that, that it was your dream and that it was something that you wanted to do, but why why do you feel that it's more difficult for women in the corporate world? Like what are some of the things that happen?
2: Well, one big thing is is that for me. A comment that really annoys me is when you speak to a female professional that's, let's just say, in their 40s, maybe 50s, and Mm. they say to you, if they're in somewhat of a man's world, they say, it's a choice, and it's not a choice. I didn't choose to be analytical. I didn't choose to love the stock market. I didn't Mm -hmm. choose to love to deal with clients. It's something I figured out. Investment banking was not my dream. I actually, both of my parents are in finance. So I think subconsciously you're always trying to get away from what your parents are doing. So I actually did finance for so long and wanted to do real estate, do development. And started speaking to different professionals about what I liked and what I didn't like. And that was kind of where investment banking came in to talk. So it's not a choice. It was more of a decision, a passion that came with a lot of work. I've been working for four or five years and I've had about 10 jobs in different industries. 10 internships, 10 jobs. I have to, at this point, remove so many work. Like my resume could be probably three to four pages long.
0: Oh my God. And like, you have to kind of pick and, well, I think yeah. with the resume, like you kind of tailor it to the job you're going to do, like you'll pick and choose from which jobs you think would make you the best fit for it. You know, exactly. exactly. Um, in the, now in the world, in in that world, you know, I don't really come from a corporate background. I don't. Angel, would you say you come from the corporate background? Not really, not no. Really, no. you, definitely not, dude. Yeah, not at all. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was gonna say my resume would look like shit right now. It's like a job, like two months here, job two months here, and it's like, why is that? Be like, ah, eh, well,
0: it's actually funny because this guy, he he's he's the set dresser for all the TV and films with ABC and everything.
2: That's funny. I mean, someone for me coming from the corporate world. You should look at your resume as being the sexiest thing alive, and I say that oh, because yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the reason I say that is because you have to spend like twenty four hours to forty eight hours working on your resume. So yeah. you just should be in love with it and think that it's the sexiest thing out there. Um, yeah, but that- I need,
3: I need to work on my resume.
0: No, one hundred percent. So now the other thing I want to get into. So today's topic it's about how men and women deal with mental health. Because the numbers are completely different. And, Angela, what happened with Dak Prescott last week?
1: All right, so he had come out and spoke about how, like, the start of COVID. He was he started to feel depression, mm-hmm. didn't want to work out, none of that stuff. And then later, after COVID started, his brother had killed himself. He didn't specifically say, like, when because he didn't release. Yeah. None of that information was released. But he said that he started to feel depressed, and then that happened, and then just – it uh, just made everything worse right? and kind of amplified everything. And then on uh, one of the sports shows, uh, Undisputed, mm-hmm. uh, Skip Bayless, who's a big uh, Cowboy fan, yeah, and they had brought up this topic. And he basically called him weak and said, like, that's not what I want from a leader of my football team to come out and say he's depressed. And basically just kind of made him look like, like made him feel like not necessarily made Dak Prescott feel that way, but it just made him look like he very insensitive towards, right. towards what he was going through. And I mean, that's why I guess it's like harder for men to like speak about their problems because you have people like that who just think, Oh, if it's a sign of weakness if you are going out and speaking out about what's going on in your head. But I think it's important for him to do that. Because I think it's important for anyone to do yeah. that. You know, I
3: thought I thought this was crazy because I didn't even. I, I read the I read the notes last night of mm-hmm. just like kind of what we were going to talk mm-hmm. about. I didn't even. I don't follow sports really or anything like that, so I didn't really know who Dak Prescott was. And just like reading this, like I found that that was actually like kind of nuts that that was the reaction he
0: got. from this I know thing. not from and the people he got yeah, from yeah, Sp- yeah, Sp- that was just, just Skip yeah.
3: That like he even had that uh, opinion about him, and like I think coming out and asking for help or, or just even talking about your probably like. It's one of the more stronger things that you could do for yourself. It's, yeah. it's not easy to talk about your problems and what's going on with you, and to be able to come up and have the courage to talk about it. It's kind of insane that he got this reaction from Skip Bayless.
0: I actually don't think it's insane. Really? You know? yeah, because like when you look at this, st- when you look at the statistics between men and women with that suffer from mental illness, and it is Suicide Awareness Month, but the craziest thing that we found was that women are more likely to attempt a suicide, but men are more likely to go through with it
2: because men like to, men don't like to speak about typically speaking. They don't like to speak about their feelings and they let it pull up inside and Mm -hmm. they're dying inside like silently and a woman can open about it and want to figure it out. I think, it's really sad to see this story and the whole controversy yeah. that it's caused, and that there's still people out there that create. Me- they believe they actually believe that mental illness, or as being not mentally strong, is a sign of weakness. Or if you're, I and I think that's the the biggest disconnect there.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a stigma that has to go, that I think has to go away. Not even that I think like it literally has to end because the only way to get through, like to deal with mental illness, like, yes, you can get on medication, but the only way for a doctor to determine that is by you opening up and talking about it.
2: Yes. You know, showing up to a doctor and you actually, and a lot of the time, you know, I've dealt with depression in my family, and a lot mm. of the time it's it's not someone's fault it's a chemical no, of course, insurance. and I think that's where the stigma needs to stop, where it's a choice to be depressed. just pick yourself up, keep going, you should be happy yeah. you have the roof, you have food, and probably I don't know sports either, but I'm guessing he's very well mm. paid um yeah. yeah. So people would be like, "What are you crying about in your nice mansion?" And that sure. has nothing to do with anything. It's
3: like it's like crazy with depression because I watch when I was growing up, like you watch like the you see like the commercials for depression yeah. medications, and it's like you know I remember the one where it was like the dark like cloud, like the dark the shadow, the dark shadows like, shadow yeah, was yeah, like yeah, following like, the person, yeah, like yeah. following the person. Like I remember being that person, like why can't you just be happy? Like I, I don't understand. Like I didn't get it. And then obviously I grew up and went through my depression, and I was like. Oh, I get it now. Like this yeah. fucking sucks, but like that's—I was so confused back then. And I think like a big thing for this podcast, and like one of the reasons why we started it was kind of to normalize mental health, at least. Like that's, that's the whole point, you know yeah. what I mean? Where like people—I think about like this.
1: athletes, like Dak Prescott, obviously, are mo- more and more like being open about it because there's some basketball players too, like Kevin Love, is yeah. an example. He he started like a foundation. He donates money to mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, charities and he speaks out about his charity, not his char his, like his own mental health. Yeah. He, he's very anxious. Yeah. And like he would, he spoke out and he's like, if I had a bad game or I didn't play the way I thought I should play, I felt, I felt useless. I felt like he didn't yeah. feel like a good
0: enough for anything. Well, I think the thing, the thing is, is like, like what, what Sophie just went off on is that, Oh, you're in a million dollar mansion. Like yeah. what, like what problems could you have? Did any of you guys ever read the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson?
2: Die. No, nah. It's
1: been recommended
2: to me many times. Wait, have so, if to- you read it, no, <laughs> yeah, no, that's my next book that I'm that I want to read. I no.
0: highly recommend this book, but what he speaks about. So, in the first chapter, um, they he spoke about this person who made a career out of being like a piece of shit. Yeah, like he was just a scumbag, but the thing was, the guy realized who he was. He's like, This is me, nothing's going to change me about it. And he that he was able to make a career, like about yeah. being yeah. a dick, which I think was phenomenal. But later in the book, he says that we all suffer in some way. You know, a millionaire may not suffer with money problems, but they'll suffer with a mental illness, they'll deal oh, loneliness. with loneliness, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know. Everybody suffers in their own way, and I don't think – I think that using money to determine how a person suffers, like, I just don't think it's the right way to go about it. Like I always said, I was
3: like, if I had lottery, like, everything would be all right. Yeah. And I was like, I I just feel like it still wouldn't change anything, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, like, athletes, like, when they're – like, if they can't go – like, they can't go out to a bar or something and hang out with their friends without getting noticed. No. And being the center of attention, so.
0: It's actually funny because my roommate in Texas – he knew, uh, I, think, I think it was his brother. Mm-hmm. His brother didn't watch sports whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And he was a bartender at a bar across the street from, uh, I think, either the Mets or the Yankees. Yeah. And he. all the players would go in there. He had no idea who they were, so he treated them normally. Yeah. This guy was going to World Series parties every single year.
1: And didn't even realize. Didn't even realize. They didn't even realize it. <laughs> a- even realize it. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, like Patrick Mahomes <laughs> when he won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. he went he went out to dinner with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Like in D- they went to Disney somewhere. Yeah. In there. And no one, like everyone, obviously knows who he is. There, right. But no one bothered him. They let him. Really. They just let him. Him and his girlfriend have their dinner. And that's he, amazing. And, and then he, because of that, he paid for everyone's dinner in the restaurant.
0: You're kidding me. No, nope. that's awesome.
2: That's amazing. Now,
0: so what what do you see in the corporate world again with, between men and women and their mental health? Like it's got to be straining it's got to be more straining for men, right?
2: I mean, I think honestly I'm very in touch and I'm always kind of searching for bettering myself and finding a balance. I think mm-hmm. what we're talking about in New York in the corporate world and then if you even want to go into investment banking, which is another animal in itself. And oh, a- I know.
0: It's like you, you, you were saying like you work like 90 hours a week doing that job.
2: Probably like a, more like a hundred to 110.
0: Oh my um, God. You're working God bless at- you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> During <laughs> work week, you're probably looking at maybe, I would say if you're lucky, 30 hours of sleep spread out.
0: Oh my God. Work week.
2: Yes. If you're lucky, I would say 20 more closer to 25 and 20. so, <laughs> we're just finding that work-life balance has such a big why am i hearing an echo
0: um probably oh, from the tv because oh, we got to hear from the tv that's right it's all right don't worry about it. i'll take care of it in post
2: okay okay um oh it's so confusing um
0: <laughs> yeah i know i know
2: <laughs> so with like the corporate world and mental health I think as a woman, especially starting out and trying to find her place within it, a, a lot of things come into play, such as wanting a family, trying to be a good friend, trying to be a good daughter, right. trying to be a good sister, trying to be a good cousin, and finding a balance within it all. And I think mm-hmm. when it comes to mental health, people also don't want to talk about the fact, in my opinion, being happy takes work. Oh, yeah. Yeah happy takes work like it's not you don't wake up and you're just happy go lucky you have to actually put in the work to find things that are bringing you happiness people around you that are bringing you happiness the work yeah. that you're doing if it's fulfilling you if it's exciting you if it's challenging you and I think right. that is something that I'm not talked about enough that finding actual happiness and being happy with yourself, deep down Mm -hmm. core wise takes actual work. So that's number one with like mental health and being in the corporate world. And then when it comes to men in the corporate world, they're looked at, and I do feel bad about it, but they're looked at as being machines. They have to just keep going and going. Yes. And a lot of them, and I know a lot of them, even my dad, who's 58, they burn out. They're like, Mm -hmm like, screw this, like, I want a happy life. And it's just too much pressure. You've made your money. Now it's time to enjoy it. But a lot of them break down at 40 because they don't take care of themselves in the beginning stages and actually figure out what makes them happy. If that is going for a long walk by the water, you know, or reading a book. Or going and playing hockey or basketball with your friends. I mean, those little things have such a huge effect on your mental health.
0: No, of course. And I think it starts with... It starts with... Um, I,
2: I think it starts with... What work, you- the work that say you... Say that do. again? I say it starts with the like the work that you're willing to put into yourself yeah and the want
3: yeah
2: i mean what are your guys
3: i think like a lot of it comes from well like you kind of mentioned it it, a big part about being happy is like you know you have to you have to first work on yourself and the happiness comes with like being able to learn how to love yourself and you'll be comfortable with where you're at and um you know, if you're not, if you're not doing anything that doesn't fulfill you and, you know, you're kind of, just you know, getting through, like not really living, you know, like you're just kind of getting through life. Yeah. You're just kind of, you're existing, you know, not living, you know? And, um, I think that's a big part of it where you really do have to focus on what your interest is and not necessarily what you're going to make the most money doing. Mm -hmm. You really have to focus on the end goal of how you're going to feel inside while you're doing something.
0: See, I don't know if you necessarily have to focus like when you're starting out, like yes, there is always going to be an end goal. Yeah. But I think focusing too much on what the end is gonna bring you is actually gonna like h- like oh, harm yeah, you. Not like necessarily That's the end, but really you know.
2: I agree so with that. I love to, love. to
0: live. Go for you're it. So Go. <laughs> no, no, because what I was gonna say was that you know, it, to the the journey you take to get through your mental health. It has to start somewhere, and it's got to be a day-by-day thing. You mm-hmm. can't just say, oh, I'm depressed right now, and in six months, like, oh, I'll be fine. In six months, I'm, I'm like, not going to be depressed anymore. No, you got to say, what am I doing today to work on my mental health? Yeah, am, I to to out out am I going to the gym? Am I eating
2: correctly? You know? yeah. And then when you are feeling down on a day, which also I think a big thing is that not to beat yourself up about it. You're not going to have, you know – 365 days of pure happiness, but it's being yeah. able to the tools on your happy days and understanding yourself of what does make you happy and
4: right.
2: taking it and taking those tools to the days where you are feeling down or depressed. And mm-hmm. that's more of a stability and more of a balance for your life and mental health, which in return is huge, especially within the corporate world.
0: Yeah. You know what that reminds me of? Did you see the movie Inside Out or Inside what was the Pixar movie?
2: Oh my god, my I yeah, was just watching it, but I was like, that idea I'm yeah. not a cartoon person at all, but that cartoon idea of young kids watching this is incredible.
0: No, it was. It really it was an incredible I thing. See. You guys I didn't see. It. So about- what hap- what happens in this movie is that um, they have it's this girl. Her name is Riley. And mm-hmm. inside her head, she's got five different emotions. I believe it was joy, sadness, anger, and uh, there was like one that was scared mm-hmm. and then one that was like, you know, like the popular girl, like, you know, she's like, yeah. uh, I, I don't remember what the exact word was, but they showed all these emotions inside of her head and not to give too much away about it, but joy is like the, the joy, the joy character yeah. is kind of like the leader inside of her head. Mm -hmm. So she's always trying to keep the girl happy, 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 and happy. But the problem with it was that you can't be happy all the time. You know, you need to have those sad days where you're going to be able to reflect on them and be like, why am I sad right now so that I can be happy? You know? And I thought that that was the greatest. I think that was the greatest movie that Pixar put out, you know, because it's Mm -hmm. like it kind of taught kids how to be sad. And it's okay to be sad. Take a go
3: with the
2: bed. You know? and i think a lot of kids aren't taught especially even myself i wasn't taught how to process my emotions and yeah. and if i was angry i was looked at as ungrateful or spoiled no. and put down for it where in right. actual fact anger is comes from sadness so i didn't know this until funny thing about me is my dad is a Russian Jew. My mom is a Christian, oh, and then my grandparents on my mom's sides are Buddhists.
0: So, oh really? Yes. Very <laughs> diversified. Very nice. That's awesome.
2: So, growing up, and my grand, my step grandfather, who is Buddhist, he's an acharya, which basically means a teacher, and mm. he's very wise. Does a lot of talks, but I have to say, I about the you know, the Buddhist culture and the religion itself is that it really keeps you present along with also being in touch with your emotions. So he was incredibly helpful from a young age of understanding and trying to process and mature and grow with my emotions and being in touch with myself which a lot of people in the world, especially in New York city, not
0: know how to do at all.
2: In the corporate world are so detached and so disconnected.
0: Yeah. Let they me did- ask you what I have. I personally have like, I, I wouldn't say a vendetta, but the education system, I almost feel like it failed me in some senses, mm-hmm. you know, from even from the very early ages. Like my mom, used to get worried about me because like, I wasn't making friends in school and, you know, and mm-hmm. it was just the time period. It was just, I guess like, like everyone, you know how you have like those years where you're just like, you don't want to talk to nobody. And yeah, it's like in I've your early years, you know, some people like, yeah, they, they like middle school. In middle, it was okay. middle. That's what it was. It was middle. It was middle school for me. And it was almost looked at like it was a problem, but I wasn't doing good in school. And to me, it was because I wasn't be able to, I wasn't able to show my creativity the way that I wanted to you know they were like you got to do it this way and you just weren't
1: interested in it
0: yeah no it just it just wasn't for me yeah. and i think that the biggest thing with it was that i needed to find a place where i could show i guess what you could say is my genius which would mm-hmm. be something that's in the creative field and i found that in high school but the whole vendetta i have against it is that we they teach you what they want you to learn
1: yeah
0: and sometimes that's not for everybody you know everybody yeah. learns in their own way
1: it's yes. not very like it's all math science yeah social studies so, and not like english yeah and then a language that's like the standard from middle school through mm-hmm. high school
3: when i was in school when i was in elementary school they did like a yearbook at the end of uh, take
0: over i gotta go let chuck in at,
3: yeah at the end of elementary school they did a um like a yearbook or whatever at the end of sixth grade and when they did that I, uh, they asked like everybody what they wanted their future jobs to be and stuff like that. And like, to my surprise, a lot of people thought they at least like put something like they had an idea of what they wanted to do at a young age like that already. And I had no idea. All I knew at that age was that I didn't want a regular desk job that I knew that I wanted to work with my hands, whether I, I didn't know exactly what, but like whether it was going to be like, oh, me doing construction or something like I just knew that I was never going to be able to do a normal desk job why I'm sitting still because I'm all over the place. Like I need something where I'm physically moving around or something, even if it's not crazy physical, just something that's like I'm walking around or doing something. Like I can't sit yeah. still. And and I realized that at a young age. So I had, I had no idea where I wanted to be. I still like, I got into the union. I still don't think that's necessarily what I want, but it's good money right now. And it's, and it fits what I'm interested in right now where it's like, you know, at least like I'm, I'm active when I'm there, you know, I'm not just sitting around like yeah. I'm doing something, you know, and it's a cool job. It is It's definitely a cool job. It may not be my passion exactly, but I'm still trying to figure that out, you know?
2: And I think there's, I think that's a big thing. I don't think there's a shame to not knowing what you want to do. And yeah, I, my issue that I see is that not even millennial, millennials, but also around the early 20s, tw- because of social media because of the way things are going everybody wants things instantly they want to feel instant fulfillment instant gratification and the reality of it is that our parents baby boomers they worked so hard to make a life due to world war ii things like that Mm -hmm. and for us i think it's just a shame of how we're looking for instant happiness and fulfillment out of life and out of a job, out of our careers that yeah. it's not to know right away and just to keep going. But you're not going to find that instant gratification where I feel like a lot of kids our age are looking for or young adults.
1: I think the biggest thing is just to try new things until you find something that really
2: works for you.
0: Yeah, of course. That's, that, yes. that's, the, only way, that's the only way you're going to find it. But I think that people – my man, my Come on, man. guy. My man, my man, my man. <laughs> sure. I think that I think that people are afraid to try new things and get out of their comfort zone, you know. Mm-hmm. And what they don't realize, and I think it's I think it's honestly has to do with the guys more guys even more.
1: Yeah, they, I can
0: see that they they want to just kind of put this whole facade on that everything's okay, mm-hmm. and it, it causes them to do the things that they don't want to do.
1: Also, I feel like the, what, like, people you associate, like, your friend group, if, mm-hmm. like, you want to do something that's not necessarily, like, what they would do. Yeah. Or, like, it's, like, out of their comfort zone. And, you're, and then if you hold yourself to stay in their comfort zone mm-hmm. to be, like, okay. Like, for me, like, doing this, like, podcast. Like, I just, it's not something, like, some like some of my friends just they're not really into the whole like yeah. mental health topic and that's fine for them but it's like for me it's like something I went out and I tried on my own right you know so i think you can't let like your social like
2: friend groups
1: like dictate, dictate what you do what you do yeah
2: oh for sure i just think it's important for younger i don't know younger people in the sense of like 20s to 30s if something mm-hmm. is out right away they can stick to it and it can grow into something where it is what you inevitably should be doing and it is good for you and I yeah. think that, that just goes back to my point of like they're wanting instant gratification when you have to massage right. it a little bit you know maybe you're yeah. not you know maybe being a financial analyst isn't your love and passion but then once you get to a VP level dealing with clients Managing people, those types of of the job, you get more pleasure out of than building a financial model on Excel. And that's okay, but you have to put in the work to be able to get there. And it's not going to be instant. And I struggle with it. I even struggle with it. And then you start comparing yourself, and then there you go. There's the mental illness. Like, I mean, there's the mental, like, where you're. You feel stuck, you start being down upon yourself, and then it just kind of keeps going and it's, it tumbles. 20s is
3: your fuck up time. Oh, my yeah. 20s is my fuck up time.
2: Oh, sure. like,
3: you oh yeah, you gotta fuck up. up. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. said yeah. fuck up as much as
0: possible. Because that's the time when you can bounce back the oh, best. Yes.
2: You know, like- exactly. It's the time to take risks and learn as much as possible and experience as much as possible. Yeah,
0: college, you learn both what, what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: I learned that I didn't want to be in college. <laughs> <laughs> I learned the classroom
2: is a place I'd never like to be again. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. That's yeah.
3: so why I dropped out after a year. I enjoyed college.
0: I, listen, I think I, that college for all of us, you know, it's, you may not, I, I'll say it about myself, but not for everyone. I may not have learned a lot and got a lot of C's and D's, but mm-hmm. man, did it help me branch out? It really did. That's true. I love everything I was, about I it. That.
2: I don't think grades mean I'm. I have a high GPA, and I fucking hate college. And I actually took a gap year and a half off. And the way I was judged, especially wanting to be in the corporate world, for oh, not—I was judged so badly. And they were like, "Were you a horrible student?" I was like, "No, I graduated high school with honors. I just don't learn in the like in a classroom, reading a book. Yeah. I'm doing yeah. the work and talking to people and asking my questions on." why you do things and yeah it was just the, the judgment was so bad was so bad you know and that that's another that's another
0: big thing too like why why do you got to judge everybody why does everyone judge
1: i think judgment that's comes cool. off of other people's come, insecurities
3: i think a big part of it and no joke i think a lot of it's almost a survival thing like that's where like i think it originally comes from what do you mean and like all right so ready like judgment obviously i feel like evolved over the years like hear me out originally it would be like fight or flight where like you see someone that you don't know like Uh and like you know you're gonna kind of like look at them and be weary or whatever like an animal instinct instinct. yeah and now obviously as time goes on i think it evolved into like being judgmental of just like your own insecurities i think you um what's the word um
2: well i think a lot of it's subconscious
3: project, project like onto other people your insecurities almost and then that's where you start to judge And a lot of it comes from, you know, again, like that fight or flight kind of uh, mentality, I think, from, you know, just it evolving where now it comes from your own insecurities and you're going to judge someone based off of that. Like I still do it and I don't mean to do it. And like and I judge people all the time, but I realize it comes from my own thing. Like I'll like judge the way someone's dressed or whatever. When I first like just random people, I'll see random people like I'll just be driving. I'm just like, Oh, why are they walking? Like, you know, it's like weird shit. Like, why? Why don't like, Oh, it sucks. They don't have a car. Like, just weird things in my head. And it all comes from like, my own insecurities of like, the car I'm driving isn't good enough. Uh, I'm not working right now. I'm broke. All the shit like it just all my own insecurities that ravel up and just me fucking projecting onto every other person that I see. And that's where I think judging isn't always necessarily a bad thing. Like, obviously, when you do it like that, comes from your own securities, but again it comes from i believe like your whole fight or flight you know being able to like perceive danger before it happens almost
0: i also think that a big part a big part of the the problems with the with this is i think the media is one of the core problems with all this personally they they've created this idea of what a person is supposed to be Mm -hmm. and it's fucking bullshit that's my first jar by the way Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I'm serious. Like it's a bunch of bullshit. Be college. For instance, you don't go to college. You're not going to get a good job. You, you like, you're going to be stuck working at a fast food restaurant. That's what they told me growing up in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm out of college now. I'm not even using the fucking piece of paper that I have. Same
2: here. (laughs) You know? It's so true. I just also think the whole thing with judging, Personally, the reason you brought up the book of like the subtle art of not giving a fuck,
4: yeah.
2: not realistic. It's not real. Like to me, that's not realistic. You will always care subconsciously what you, what you wear. You subconsciously are doing it for other people in some ways. Yes. Yeah. yourself. But why did I pick this shirt instead of a different shirt? Why am I wearing these shoes instead of buying another pair of shoes? I mean, yeah. you do it so easily ingrained and it's so subconscious probably even back to animals if mm-hmm. you go evolution um, I'm not gonna get into that <laughs>
4: <you're
2: a> <laughs> I mean, even like back to the animals you know like we're put on the earth to attract the other sex and, yeah. and that even comes to I'm saying like clothes and exterior which is all BS but I think the subtle art of not giving a fuck like that doesn't exist like I'm curious to read the book I'm open to it but right. I'm trying to obtain that I'm trying of course I wish I'm extremely judgmental grew up in a very like privileged bubble in France mm-hmm. and was judged I was told at 12 years old why are you wearing a backpack to school I was like because I like it was my first time I always wore a tote bag that was yeah. designed. Fine. It was designer. Yes. But I was wearing a backpack <laughs> urban outfitters. That was $25, maybe 39. Cause it was on sale. And I loved it. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to have both of my hands free while I'm walking to class for the first time and not have to hold one. Um, like hold my bag with, with one arm. And my friend looked at me on the first day of school and we're like 12 years old. She's like, what are you doing with a backpack? I said, we're at school. She's like, no, 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 no. Where's your like Louis Vuitton tote, like me, like this? That's oh not okay. at twelve years old. So like, you will be judged. I grew up in such a judgmental like area, and I think yeah. that has definitely defined me a little bit. Of my sure judge, wasn't Long Island?
0: You sure it wasn't Long Island?
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. in Long Island. They're very. I mean, all the moms are the same in the sense that all the fathers work in the city. Moms are there with their large engagement rings and yoga, pants. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the subtle art of not giving a fuck, you're always going to give. You're always going to care.
0: Sorry. Okay. Keep going. Uh, sorry. Funny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Say exactly okay. what you were saying. I had, to, I had to tell him. I'm sorry.
2: No, I was just saying thing. I was like, I don't think it's realistic. For human beings, we always will judge. We'll always want to... Be- Somewhat be better than we were, or maybe we're trying to get back to our better selves, but
0: yeah.
2: always on the chase of fulfillment and happiness. So that's well,
0: your question on how you think it's not realistic. And you're right. He even says it in the book. It is, you will always give a fuck about something, but you have to remember in this lifetime, you have a limited amount of fucks to give. So choose them wisely.
2: It's true. It's true. You know? It's a choice. It's a choice what you want to focus on. It is. Yeah. And that is something, if we're going to bring it back to the corporate world, that dealing with the office politics and the culture, yeah. it's very difficult for myself. Being a cancer, if anyone signs yeah. over here, that I'm very emotional and also moody. And that's <laughs> difficult in the corporate world, that is difficult. Yeah. And I'm definitely looked down upon being a female and being emotional because my emotions is my strength and my weakness.
0: Um, so and let me ask it. you this. We <laughs> ask this, <laughs> we ask this to every guest. What is the one rule that you live by to have a happy life? And I so ask it is that if you were to give advice to somebody on how to be happy, what would be the one rule that you follow that you would tell them?
2: Can I have two? Of course. <laughs> okay. So the first one is treat people how you would like to be treated. Yeah. And that is something I live by. If you want to be a jerk, you want to be an ass, which I deal with a lot of men and a lot of egos. If you want yeah. to do that, you do that. I'm going to still have class and I'm going to walk away with my head held high. The other one is something that I keep it dear to my heart because I'm still working on it is patience. Mm -hmm. And that is something that has a lot of olive branches or branches in general in the sense of being patient means being kind to myself. If I'm not at the place where I thought I would be or I didn't get what I wanted in that moment with relationships, friendships, family, work. And that is something that I'm trying to work on. And that's why I keep it so dear is patience, like hard work and patience.
3: I like that you bring bring up patience because patience is a big part. I think of a lot of people's lives that they need to work on, like some, that one of my old sponsors used to tell me was that like, if when I would pray, you know, to my higher power, whatever you believe in um, every time I'd pray to pray for like patience and acceptance and just try to live in the moment and just yeah. pray for that. And um, I think that helped me out a lot when I used to do that because a lot, like I would never live in the moment. I would always be so outside of myself. I would always be two days ahead of myself and not even like in a good way where it's like I'm getting shit done just like where You're I'm just, just obsessing about shit that didn't even happen yet. Yeah, yeah I'm just I'm going nuts. So I, I like that you bring up patience. That's like a bit that's a very big thing that I think that a lot of people need to work on and would
2: definitely help with happiness. And I think, I think that's a big problem in New York City. Everybody oh, is huge. No, it's a big problem everywhere. I live, I live in the past and I live in the future. I'm right. constantly thinking about what I could have done better in the past. And then with the future, I'm like, why has this not happened yet? Yeah. And yeah. Enjoying myself right now in the place that I'm at and being kind to myself. So that's where, like, for me, I'm saying, like, I'm like, okay, like, be patient. Things will work itself out. You know, as long as you have good health, that's all the wealth you yeah. ever need. And especially with COVID times, we're seeing that.
0: Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. And it's people want everything now
3: you know
2: Yes, everybody wants everything.
0: wants that instant gratification yeah i think i brought that
3: up like every episode literally no but you know what but no it's so true
0: it's just i i think that we have to keep bringing it up every episode because it's something that people like they don't they're not even aware of it you know it happens and you don't even realize it no one is self-aware in this world or let me rephrase that very few people are self-aware in this world you you're very self-aware yeah. that's and that's a good thing that's but rare you also need to attack that say that again
2: that's very rare for men a lot oh, of yeah, men yeah. Are self-aware they will break up with a girl and never think about why they broke why it didn't work out how can mm-hmm. i bring a better self to a neck to my next relationship they yeah. will take their feelings mm-hmm. and put it in the corner
3: it mm-hmm. took me a long time to get to where I am with being, because the thing is, you know what? I am aware of a lot of the things like that goes on with me. My problem is, I still just don't work on them. Like I, I realize why I do the things that I do, or kind of why I'm depressed, or like you know shit like that. But a pro, my problem is, I don't do anything to compensate it. Like so, I realize all the fucked up shit. No, I just I Don't do anything for it, you know. And that's like that's the annoying part about being self aware is that I know where I'm fucking up. I just don't do anything to fix it. And that's what's so annoying. That's what frustrates me even more. Can I be
0: honest? Yeah. That's, I think that's what leads to de- to a lot of people's depression yeah. as well. When you're self-aware and you know what you're doing wrong, but you're not working on it. You're setting yourself up to yeah. not mm-hmm. want to do anything at that, that point. Yeah. And you know, correct. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> no, because you know, you're supposed to do it. You're not doing it. and, since you're not doing it you're just going to get you're going to just keep getting sadder and sadder because you're looking yeah. at like oh i had all this to do and i just didn't do it why yeah you know and i think that's mm-hmm. a big thing when it comes to depression where people where people say it's like it's almost easy to get out of depression i do believe that the process of getting out of it is not a difficult one but when you're in that depressed state it's hard to start it's started. hard to start it it's yeah. always well, about the start
2: it's hard to take a step back and look at it and it's just hard to take a step back when you're dealing with depression and you're in it. It's hard for you to take a step back and just be like, truthfully on that, what you guys are talking about is again, like being just kind to yourself. Like if you're not motivated that day, it's okay. It's Mm -hmm. okay. And like, that's something that I work that I'm very bad at, very bad at because I'm a type. I work 90 hours a week and If I'm not doing something one day, I will beat myself up like no return. But the truth is, is that it's okay to have a day where you're sitting in bed watching Love Island, maybe, or something else. (laughs) Watch (laughs) that crap. crap. I love it. I love it. (laughs) It helps me detach. It helps me detach. Um, And it is okay. If you're at a point in your life right now Where, you know, you're saying to yourself, why am I, you know, not doing the things that I should be doing? Maybe you're not supposed to be doing that right now. And that's okay too. It's about being kind to yourself and being like, you know what, maybe today I'm just going to put this little bit of extra, you know, happiness into my life by going out and getting myself a coffee at my favorite coffee store. And just like that. that New
0: York City? Not like seven bucks? Yeah.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean that's why you get paid the big bucks to spend the big bucks.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I was, what you were saying.
2: No, but I just think that's a big part is being in the moment like we were saying before and being kind to yourself and having yeah. confidence that you will eventually get out of it if you put the work in.
0: Have you ever looked into like the psychedelics from a therapeutic standpoint, not like getting high, going out and, but have you,
2: have you looked into stuff like that? Yeah. So I've watched, um, Goop with Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes. And she does an episode. She has a TV show on Netflix, Dr. Goop or something like that. And she goes, I'm going to maybe say Costa Rica.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's in, it's in Costa Rica. I know where you're going with this. Keep going
2: and they take mushrooms and it's supposed to be therapeutic
0: it's actually in costa rica it's not mushroom it's not mushroom it's uh it's a form of mushrooms yes but it's it's called ayahuasca yes and ayahuasca. what you what these what so what these people do is um it's a tribe down in costa rica you go down there and it's not like it's like a road sign like hey come here like no you have to find these yeah. people yeah. and you go there and you um, you pay your dues when you go so basically you work for them for six, six seven months. Like you just – you become part of the tribe and they will basically – it's a test to see if like you're going to actually offer something to the world by them giving you what they call a gift. Like it's honestly – that's what they call but it.
3: I actually love to do that. Honestly. Well,
0: no, but, but getting back to the science behind it, the thing about mushrooms that people get wrong is that they think it's like, oh, you're going to trip out. You're going to start seeing things and what they don't realize is that you're actually – just being forced to bring whatever you have in the back of your head forward and in a therapeutic setting, because they're actually doing this now in Colorado and I believe New Mexico Mm -hmm. because it's been legalized there. What they're doing is they think that it can help mental illness for one thing and addiction, because since Mm -hmm. you're able to take this for this form of, I guess you could say medication, because it is the oldest form of medication, you will be able to bring forth all of your demons and when you're in that place, you look back at it afterwards and you say, wow, this was a very, cause some people have a traumatic experience some people have a mm-hmm. good experience. You know, it depends on where your head's at, but you're able to look beyond what you're feeling, analyze it and say, what can I do differently in my life right now? It's honestly, it's like, t- it's like having an epiphany. Yeah. yeah. You know,
2: I think I love the way they're doing it in such a safe yeah. setting and yep. N- doing it with the right practices i it's growing on me to even do it myself cuz i'm constantly mm-hmm. trying to better myself constantly trying to be more self right. and i'm constantly on the chase for fulfillment and happiness so yeah. it's something that i think is interesting and i would love to do more research on it personally um but yeah i i think a lot of people have had breakthroughs with addiction I don't know with I don't know with addiction truthfully. I mean, I think addiction in my opinion you're somewhat born with a gene that creates that addictive personality. So, it's I just
0: I just want to I just want to say a story about that real quick. Yeah. A, a very good friend of mine who I'm actually I'm working on another project with. 18 years old, this kid was a big time dealer hustler like just was selling pills and he was very very addicted to Xanax. He took ayahuasca, thought he died, has not picked up a pill since that day. Just quit that day. Literally was just like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And he's done surprisingly well for himself at this point in life. You know, he was, he was like on the path to be going to jail. And I just thought that it was amazing what he was able to do with this, you know? Addiction
2: addiction deep down comes from you're either unhappy or... You're trying to fill a void with something. So you yeah. could see how maybe taking ayahuasca and having an epiphany, you're like, wait, I can fill that void by having kids or getting married or right. this or doing that. So I could see that happening.
0: Yeah we're actually doing an episode in a couple of weeks about it. We have a guest coming on that's very, very like research. He does a lot of research and analytics on it and he's been looking into this for some years now and he's, he's it's like, this is actually almost his passion, mm-hmm. you know, because right now, like they're saying, that what they're saying is from the, from a market standpoint, actually, you're the perfect person to ask about this. From a market standpoint, do you think that this could potentially be like the next wave of legalization when it comes to like marijuana, like how, how marijuana in the past couple of years has now become okay do you think that this would be the next thing
2: i don't know i'm honestly very conflicted with marijuana becoming legalized i i have Mm. and cons to it i i'm not 100 with it um and i say that just because i'm you know i'm not going to say i've never tried it but when i did try it knowing that it was illegal and but it was still my choice to try it it made it scarier where, yeah. but then there's also the whole thing of like, why are you in prison if you have a joint on you? Like that's yeah. over tax dollars. Like that's like ridiculous. Um, so there's like I said, pros and cons to it. What do I think about like that becoming illegal? Like mushrooms, psychedelics be- aspect of it. Psychedelics. I just think people will start abusing it, and well, not. I think that therapeutic way and it's contained and it's only at clinics and it's yeah. used for that purpose then fine but we already know that people are already taking mushrooms and tripping and having good good times and bad times
0: right but yeah. i think that you i think that you need to have a th- for something like that because listen the cons with it you're gonna end up with psychosis and it'll seriously fuck you up in the head you know if you mm-hmm. do it incorrectly like it, yeah. it is a very dangerous thing to do in the wrong setting. Like if you're not around the right people, you're gonna ha- you're gonna end up freaking out. But mm-hmm. I think that if they were to do it and they were to control it and only give it to p- trained professionals who knew how to therapeutically walk you through this, what they call a journey, I think that it would benefit. I think that would be the, an answer to a lot of the mental illnesses that de- are dealt with in the United States right now.
2: Oh, I agree. I agree. I also. I think mental mental illness, and you know, starting with kids, I I think it's so it's talk it's starting to be talked about a lot more. But I also think there's so many kids that don't feel loved, that yeah. don't. There's just so many issues on so many levels with with that. That start. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. More or less,
0: when it come when it comes to the kids, I think also that parents need to understand that all kids are different. You know, a lot of a lot of parents, like there's no manual for a kid. You get the kid and you just do it as you go. And Mm -hmm. you know, to think about it, like you're raising a person who one day has to go out in the world by himself. That's a scary thing for a parent. Yes. You know, they could think that everything is going right. 100%, but you're not going to know until the kid turns 18, moves out of the house or even later on in life, you know? You, you you need to just teach them how to like the best way that yeah. you know how and i think I
2: it was actually was adapting
0: yeah and i think you know what was interesting um miley cyrus went on joe rogan yes did you watch that episode
2: i watched the one with alexander cooper
0: And I, Oh, Alex Cooper. No, um, so she went on Joe Rogan's podcast and it was in the first 15 minutes. And I encourage a lot of people to listen to this because she talked about, she wants to release a set of children's books that teaches kids how to properly use drugs, which I thought was amazing because from the child standpoint, if you're told, um, drugs are bad, she wants to teach you like, all right, they're going to be in your life. You're going to have a choice to make. And if you choose to make it, here's what's going to happen. But from a scientific standpoint, mm-hmm. which I think is something that could really be beneficial to children. If they understand what they're going to be getting into at that early age,
3: I see the pros and cons of it. I mean, you know, it's difficult because, you know, you're going to, cause yeah, obviously like I, I said the same thing to my little brother too, you know, like, cause obviously like I'm in recovery mm-hmm. and, um, you know, back before I relapsed last time, he was telling me he he, he smoked weed and yeah, he didn't tell he me this. for a while. You know, and but how do
0: you think that it could benefit? So when so, so I, I wanted him to talk
3: to me about it because you know what he was like. I didn't really like it, or whatever, blah blah. blah but he's, I'm like, listen, Connor. I'm like, you're gonna do things in your life. You're gonna grow up. You're gonna you're gonna experiment. You're gonna do things. I don't want you to be scared of anything, but I want you to be I want you to be able to come to me if you feel like you're worried about anything. You know, I don't want you. Go experiment with something that you don't like. I'm not telling him not to do drugs. I'm just telling him like, be aware of where it brought me in my life, right. and that it is hereditary. This disease, like addiction, disease, is hereditary. Whatever, mental, yeah. So if it it could be in you, I'm not saying you're an addict, but you know, I didn't think I was an addict. Obviously, when I was 16 and I was doing what I was doing, I had no idea, and it led to where I am now. And um, you know, so I see the whole pros and cons to why that book would be helpful. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's just, I I don't know. I I don't really know how exactly I feel about it. You know, it's, it's it's very... Like I, mean, I get it, I can see the pros. I for sure. But you sure, also but I see like the cons. I, can see I feel the like the concept, way more. But I feel like there could be more cons. In
1: what? But in what? In just just what just like, like, like what age do you show that book? Exactly. That's what like, I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. Like, okay. You know I mean, to,
3: like, like you shot, like, because immediately I'm like, obviously, I'm. You probably wouldn't show it to like a ten year old, right? But like in that my mind, I'm seeing it as like ten years old, ten year olds, and like twelve year olds seeing it. Maybe like once you're in middle school, like yeah, it makes sense because at this point in time middle schoolers are like drooling mm-hmm. and doing shit like that yeah so it wouldn't be a, a much of a shock at this point but it's still just like yeah what age you really like same thing where it's yeah. like what, when you talk to them about sex which is like a little different obviously goes But goes back like, to parenting like it's just yeah. like, it's
0: trial
1: and error
3: yeah you know? it's very it's i just very, i feel like
1: they like you can't like raise your kids away like oh like it's bad don't like don't do it like yeah can't but do like it. where's like, that you, middle you, ground they need to know like the risks of, right because yeah. every kid's gonna go out and drink on before they're 21 it's yeah. just that's just how it is or they'll experiment with drugs but they need to like if they don't know what something is and then their friend goes oh try this we're all doing it and they're gonna listen to their friend yeah and I, not I
2: think realize
1: for, the consequence
2: for for me growing up especially in europe where You know, I went clubbing at 13 years old, 14 years old. I just think my parents did it so well where they created a fine line of drink with us. I was drinking at such a young age, they always let me try their alcohol, um, wine, anything. It was not a big deal. And in America, with drinking, I come back when I used to come with friends or go to parties, the way young girls are, even in college the way they drink and how bad it is for, for your health. I mean, to me, I think it's creating that fine line of having an open space with your kids and being like, hey, drinking, sm- you know, smoking weed if you need to relax, it's okay. You know, like creating a safe place in your household where you don't feel like you have to run away and hide it creates mm-hmm. a balance along with the fact of, When your parents teach you about where your priorities lie, if yes, I went clubbing, but if I did not show up to school on Monday morning, or if I did not get an A on a test, that was not a discussion. Like you, you do not get in
1: trouble. That was it.
2: Yes. Like my, I went to private school all my life and throughout my whole life, my mom always told us, she was like, if you don't want to work hard for your grades, it's no problem. We'll put you in public school. It's a privilege that you're there. So work for it. And that's why I said I graduated with honors. I'm a great student. Don't like school. Great student. But talking talking about drugs and your parents being open to you about drugs and even maybe doing it with your parents because they're human Mm -hmm. beings too. And creating that fine open line and balance. But then them pressuring and not pressuring, but making sure that your priorities are in line is where I see the balance.
3: Coming from like my standpoint is like I've thought about this like a lot like where you know when I get older and I have kids you know being in recovery and everything like that like what do I do when my kids when I find out they're smoking or whatever like do I tell them at what age do I tell them my kind of story um and kind of explain to them what I went through and you know my me dealing with addiction you know like what age do I kind of like, again, like kind of we're tying yeah. it back into the book, like idea. Um, When do I really, because obviously, yeah, when do, we, start yeah, when do I start talking it? to him about it and like give him an idea of at least like, hey, listen, like this is what I went through. And I'm hoping that by the time I have kids, I, I do remain sober and that I stay in my recovery, you know, God willing. But, you know, if that time comes and I have however many years sober or whatever and like how do I respond to my kids doing this? How do I educate them? I I know I'm not going to come down on them hard, you know, and be like, and bug out. But at the same time, you know, I got to be weary because it's a family disease. And if I, God forbid, one of my kids an addict and, you know, and like they grow up and it gets worse, you know, do I implement in them at that point, like you can't be doing this or do I just be like, let, let it ride, you know, like it's, it's very scary. Like thinking about it in my head. Like I, there's, there's like coming back to like overthinking and like patience and yeah. being like, I'm like 10 years ahead of myself. I'm right no, like of already course. thinking of like I mean, yeah, what but that's good theoretical kids you are going to be doing.
0: That's good though. Because I think that this is something that when it comes to being a parent, if you know at some point that you want to be a parent, I think that thinking about it before you're the parent is the best thing that you can do. You know, yeah. it's cause it makes you more aware of like, all right, how do I want to, teach my kids about the world, which again, another huge problem that the school system fails to give you, you know? And I think that's why so many people in their fifties and sixties, like you said, in the corporate world, the men burn out, but mental illness really hits a lot of people after they hit 40 years old. It's definitely, it's definitely like a major problem with teenagers, but people don't realize that 50, 60 years old, people are still suffering with this. A majority of men that go through with a suicide. Will be in their fifties or sixties.
2: Yes, I mean, didn't we just see with um, Elizabeth Hurley, her ex husband killed himself. I'm not sure how he killed himself, but um, it's. I mean, he right. has a kid. You know, he has everything he wants. Everything he wants, and yep. mental health is so important, and it takes so much work that I don't think a lot of people are very aware about it. And especially within the corporate world, one of my old bosses, who's still like a mentor of mine, he he was 40 and had like a breakdown Mm -hmm. and was just going and going. And he's doing a lot better, but he had to just take months off for himself for the first time. And I have to say that being in the corporate world, if you speak to women who... Have decided this is what they want to do. This is their life. They're going to have to make some sacrifices. Maybe not having children as young as they thought, or not having as many as they thought. But if you right. actually see women that are, you know, still in the corporate world, there the way they are at fifty or forty or fifty-five compared to a man, it's so different. Like I have to say that I think women prepare yeah, for earlier on, where they're looking for that balance. So the longevity of their career, if they decide to stay in it, and I'm saying making sacrifices, the way they are at the end point of their career compared to a man is just so different. And that's because they focus on their mental health and creating somewhat yeah. of a balance where men just completely disregarded and want to just keep going like a machine and then they kind of are fed up after maybe 40. But like a lot of women who stick in the corporate world, they'll stick there for years and years and years. I don't know. That's my yeah.
0: opinion. That. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. And I think it's good that they continue to stick. I think, I think it's good that they continue to stick with it, you know, because it, it kind of just shows like where society is at right now, you know, and we just – shit's got to change is what i'm trying to say you know a lot of things got to change and the reason we brought parenting into this is that i think it starts with the beginning you know okay. our generation is gonna be i think is gonna have a major shift on how we parent our children mm-hmm. because a, a lot of the people i talk to even just close friends or any, and everybody they all say like you know what when i have kids like i want to i want to be full full front with them i don't want them to be scared of any everything you know, uh, yeah. of anything. I want them to know the dangers in this world. And I think hiding the dangers from your kids, like when it comes to drugs or, you know, drinking or anything like that, that's the biggest issue. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I hope to have like a very open relationship with my kids. So
0: do I. You know, like, I think we I, hope, but you know,
3: like, and you know, I see like things on, you know, you ever seen like, uh, things on like Snapchat's where it's like born different or like yeah. stuff like that with the couples and like mm-hmm. people, I'm seeing like a lot of like, um, you know, like trans couples or whatever, get, like raising their kids to be like gender fluid and like not really giving. Yeah. And it's like, to me, it's, it's, it's almost, I don't want to use the word strange. I can't find another word, but I get why they're doing it. You know, I kind of, I kind of like it. Cause like it allows, they're allowing their kids to kind of decide their own. Who they want to be. Yeah, exactly. So I do like it, but you know, it's, it's a little, for me, you know, it, it's different. It's yeah. different for sure. But I kind of like the whole aspect of it. Like I like you're open. Look, to yeah. You're allowing you your kids be. to be mm-hmm. very open and a lot them to figure themselves out. I think that's wonderful. And honestly, I think that like, I, I don't care when I have a kid, I don't care if he's gay, straight, whatever, whatever he wants, he, she w- wants to be. I don't, I don't, as long as yeah. I can have a relationship with my kid, I, I really don't care. As long as they're happy, like I'll, I'll do anything for my kid. That's where,
0: that's where we're at now. But you got to think 40, 50 years ago, like this, we, no, we were it's nowhere it's near it's there. It was a
3: different world. dude. You it know? wasn't even, it, there was no such thing as gay marriage back then. It was like, mm-hmm. it was a, seen as a mental illness being yeah. gay or whatever. Like I'm, I'm watching a show on Netflix right now called ratchet. And it's, uh, with the woman from, uh, uh, American horror story. Okay. Um, I think, you know, I'm talking about like the main woman that's like in all of them. Um, she is like, uh, pretty much the premise of the show is that her brother is, uh, like a serial killer and Mm -hmm. he ends up in a mental hospital and she like finesses this whole thing to become like a doctor in the mental. hospital. So in the show, it's like, they have you know, women in there that, that are lesbians that are, like, they're trying to, like, right. hypnotize them and, like, put them through this therapy and shit like that, like this crazy shit because, like... Was it, this
0: based in this day and age or in it's the It's based in
3: the 1940s. It's, like, oh, 1945 okay, yeah. or whatever. So, but that that's what it was like back then, though. That's, like, being... Like, if if you were gay, like, they didn't...
0: The gay camps. Yeah. It's like, I yeah, think like, it's, it's a thing. Like no, they, it's a they, real they thing. They would send you
3: to a mental hospital. They would do shit where... Yeah. They, they would do these type of therapies where they would um, attach you to... They would... Uh, induce you with like this vom like charcoal drip or whatever like yeah. to make you vomit while they would play pictures of like homosexual ideations and shit like that. To give you the idea of, you know, it's for you to get sick every time you think of something like that. Like it's like shit like that where you know that that's how crazy it was. And now look where we are. Now we have like the gay pride parades and like everything yeah. like that. Like it's a whole different world now, and it's like so much more open. Obviously, there's still.
0: I think that I think that the world will definitely become more open as as we get as we yeah. go along. But I do also feel that we have a very long way to go.
2: I think for parents, the best thing they can do is just listen to their kids. I think that's yeah. the biggest thing. Kids just want to be heard, yeah. and I think. Oh, we do have a long way to go when it comes to our tolerance and being accepting of others that may not be the same. And that's where I see yeah. where the work needs to be put in for the future. Yeah. And just being kinder. Kids be are
0: kind, mean.
2: kids are mean.
0: First two to t-shirts each other. are be kind and no fucks clan. Those are the first two t-shirts for this podcast.
2: <laughs> hey, send one over. Send one over. <laughs> That's why I live by how you want to be treated. And a lot of, I've been told many times, they're like, you're so blunt, but you're like, you're kind. Like you're not a mean person. And I'm like, there's and as a female, especially within the corporate world, being, finding that balance of being able to be direct, being blunt while being diplomatic, while being Mm -hmm. politically correct, and also having a touch of kindness and fairness is where starting out, I'm learning to find the balance of all of them. Yeah. So
0: yeah. I think people also need to be more blunt. Like it's yeah. being blunt. People take it as like, Oh, you're a jerk. But I, I honestly, I love it when people are blunt with me because they're, they're, they're being dead honest with me about yes. whatever it is. And yeah. it, you know what? Yeah. It, it hurts for someone else to say a flaw about you. Yeah. But what, when it's something that's to encourage you, mm-hmm. that's where I like it. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: it's- is good. Yeah, that's what's important. It. It's all about the intention. If yep. you're just trying to to insult me, go do it to the go do it to the mirror, do it mm-hmm. to yourself. That doesn't do anything for me. If you're trying to help me and figure something out and move past something with me, or even trying to help me move past something, sure, mm-hmm. maybe I harp on stuff or whatever it is, and they can be blunt. And get to the point. I also like that. Get to the point.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> I hate That's
2: cool. coding.
0: <laughs> all right, guys. Well, this this is our longest episode yet. We're at an hour and twenty minutes. Man. Are we really? I know. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Dude, I drank two Red Bulls? Like, oh Stop right drinking now, the I'm, friggin' Red Bulls, dude. I'm,
3: I'm addicted. Bro.
0: I'm I know. We're all casting. Like, Look, si- I just I'm had my cold brew. I just yeah, had my I'm cold just, brew. I'm
3: sitting here right now, and I was just like,
0: "You got the jitters, don't you?"
3: Yeah, and like it doesn't feel like an hour <laughs> twenty, but like at the same time, like time kind of went by pretty fast during this. Yeah,
0: this was a good episode. Yeah, but I'm like sitting
3: here. I'm like. This needs to be all right. I need to be in bed Shut and
0: freaking out <laughs> <gotta> relax. Yeah. <laughs> it was a solid episode. Yeah.
2: Which I say thank you so much for having me. Oh,
0: thank you for being thank such a great guest. On. Thank you for coming on. Now we'll, we'll probably we'll probably see you on here at another time at some point. So by the way, our jar count it's it's adding up, and uh, we're going to it's all like I said, guys. The jars are going to the Tim Bergling Foundation, Madness Clan. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, we're going to see you guys next Wednesday, and one more time, please share this podcast with someone that, that either needs it or you just find us entertaining, and you want to push us along. That would be great. Um, don't forget, five hundred followers on Instagram. We're doing a headphone. Giveaway, so stay tuned for that.
3: All right, ready? All right. So, if we get two thousand downloads within the next two months, Uh I'll get the I'll get our ad tatted on my leg. Okay, okay. (laughs) You'll get the what tatted on your leg? I'll get the I'll get the complete at complete complete madness show.
0: All right, if we hit two thousand downloads in the next eight (laughs) (laughs) weeks, Jolly's gonna get at complete (laughs) madness show tattooed to his leg. You're fucking insane. (laughs) (laughs) So. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you next Wednesday.